It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy caught in a landslide? No escape from reality. Open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Cause I'm easy come. Easy go, little high, little low, any way the wind blows, doesn't really matter to me, to me. Mama, just kill a man. Put a gun against his head Pulled my trigger Now he's dead Mama Life had just begun But now I've gone and thrown it all away Mama Didn't mean to make you cry time tomorrow carry on carry on as if nothing really matters too late my time has come sent shivers down my spine Body's aching all the time. Goodbye, everybody. 
Everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and that was, of course, uh, William Shatner with uh, something new for Schlocktober 2020. William Shatner was, uh, I, I guess, his queen for a day um, doing that uh, 
that take off on Bohemian Rhapsody. For people who don't know, Schlocktober is uh, how we celebrate here on the Tom Sumner program when it gets to be the month of October. All the way up to Halloween, a different odd or horrible recording each day while everyone else is celebrating Rocktober and Shocktober, we celebrate Schlocktober. And uh, William Shatner, a frequent visitor. Uh, speaking of visitors, we got some great guests today, starting with a conversation about clean energy with David Ribeiro from uh, the ACEEE. And that was a kind of a last minute switch because of a communication error with Mark Spack. We're going to talk uh, with him about cybersecurity coming up next month. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Um, this hour, we're going to talk about uh, some leading U.S. cities that are uh, expanding their clean energy efforts to tackle climate change, uh, courtesy of uh, a scorecard recently um, released by the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy. They look at the efforts of 100 major cities, uh, home to 19% of the nation's population. And here to talk about that is uh, David Ribeiro, who um, joins me now by phone. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, Dave, how did you get interested in uh, um, climate change, clean energy efforts, and in particular uh, consulting with uh, cities around the country in, in how to set goals and reach them yeah sure so um you know this is something I, i've been interested in for for quite some time so um in terms of how I, I got into this well i you know um out of school i one of my jobs was working for new york city um and in my role there um i started working on i'll just call it the sustainability portfolio and um, that got me interested in, in clean energy and the intersection between clean energy and, and what cities can do. Um, and then from there, went off from uh, grad school and then to my, my current place at, at ACEEE, sort of bringing together those two interests. Because I think at the end of the day, um, a lot of different levels of government and businesses need to come together to reduce climate change. And I think cities are an important part of that equation. Um, cities have or responsible for a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, um, and they have a lot of levers they can press to try to reduce those. So um, it's uh, it's an important place to focus. And and I, I, I guess I just have to uh, point out the fact that you must have been doing some things right in New York because New York scored pretty well on this uh, scorecard. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, uh, coming out first place in this ranking. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I can't take credit for any of that. Certainly, yeah. I, I worked for the city over ten years ago, so it's it's been quite a while. But yeah, I mean, New York City, as the report shows, has is really at the leading edge for for a lot of reasons. Um, some of it does have to do with the fact that the city has been focusing on this for, I mean, really for twenty plus years. Uh, if you look back at at everything they've done, but. The reason they're number one has to do with what they've done over the last couple of years. So just last year, they put in place a policy that requires large existing buildings to meet a certain cap for greenhouse gas emissions. So like every building will have a certain target that 
um, it'll have to it'll have to hit, and if it can't, it'll have to upgrade its building. It'll have to retrofit and and become become more energy efficient. And that's a, a policy that's really innovative at the cutting edge. There's only three cities in, in the country that have those, and of those three, all of those cities have adopted them since January 2019 or so. So it's uh, really cutting edge stuff. Is is New York in the lead because New York is um such a big city and and has so many ways that they can change the way they operate to to be in line with clean energy practices i i don't know if that's the case and and well because we when we in the report we look at what i'll call best practice policies and programs that are largely applicable across communities in the u.s so to, to just give you a feel you know, we have 30% of the report looking at um, what we call buildings policies. So what cities can do to increase energy efficiency and renewable energy use in buildings. About half of that has to do with um, things related to the building energy code, which is something that sort of sets minimum requirements for new buildings that are being built. Um, and then the other half are uh, policies for existing buildings, sort of like we were just talking about, you know, with um, something called performance standards for buildings. Those are largely things that can be adopted across most cities. There are some limits in states here and there, but um, I think it comes down to the fact that any city can lead, um, regardless of location or size. Um, you know, it's really just a matter of what is the, the priorities of, of leadership within the city. It just seems like the the bigger cities, um, especially big cities like New York is, um, have a greater need because they just have so much activity going on as opposed to, you know, say, Ribeiro's Corners in in Montana (laughs) or Idaho or someplace. Well, you know, put it this way, I I think there is, there's a lot of benefits when it, when it comes to clean energy. If, if you're looking from a, let's say, a climate change perspective, um, you know, the largest cities will have the, the largest amount of greenhouse gas emissions, let's say. So in terms of reducing, you know, the overall impact, uh, large cities' efforts will um, have the most effect. Um, but that being said, you know, it's going to take more than the largest cities to you know, bring down greenhouse gas emissions on, on a broad scale. But the other thing is that, you know, when I when I think about clean energy, I think about all of the, the local benefits that come from it. So, you know, if you just focus on energy efficiency for a second, what I think about is how it, it creates jobs. You know, because at the end of the day, when you're doing energy efficiency, you're paying for someone to come into your home, install more efficient appliances, um, weatherize your home, that sort of thing. So it's really an investment in your construction industry. Um, at the same time, by investing, by creating these local jobs, you're really fostering reinvestment in your community because that's where folks tend to use their, their, their dollars. And then it saves money for, for homes and businesses. So I think, you know, when you're thinking about clean energy, there are all of these benefits that even the smallest communities can can have um, by, by pursuing it. So, you know, um, yeah, large cities can certainly benefit from from pursuing these. Um, but you know, this is something that, regardless of how big your city is, there is a benefit to doing it. More with David Ribeiro from AC Triple E. Straight ahead. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, pearly gate rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian Residence, add $3. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with David Ribeiro from ACEEE, straight ahead. In, in doing this study, did you find that, that some of these cities, uh, I keep going to New York because they, they placed uh, number one, but Los Angeles uh, had some, some interesting things they were doing with regard to uh, requiring um, charging stations in new buildings for uh, electric cars and so on. Um, but did you find that um, places were were really making a big difference and becoming models for other cities, or was it um, they weren't doing much, but it was more than everybody else? You know, it it probably matters where you're looking at on the rankings because I'll well, ah. put it this way: I think that the top ten cities, the top ten cities, those are you know those are models. You know, there's not one that I'm, that I can think of right now where it is more the latter. If you were saying that they were just doing a little more than everyone else. And that's why they're in the top 10. Um, when you look at the, the top 10 cities to get there, they usually have to have a comprehensive policy approach to, to clean energy. All of these cities are doing something to tackle um, energy use in buildings and transportation and their own operations. So, you know, obviously, New York is doing more than, you know, Oakland that comes in at number 10. But of all of those, you know, it, they, have, they have good things to build on and they have good things that can serve as models for other cities. As you go down, um, uh, go down the list, though, you know, it does become more, you know, here are cities that are doing better on the rankings just because they're doing something and others aren't. Um, so to sort of put that into perspective, if you were to look at all of the points across the report and just add them all up. What did all cities get? Um, you know, you get something like 3,000 points. Of those 3,000 points, about 1,000 of them, so, uh, you know, a third of all points come from the top 15 cities, meaning that, you know, uh, number 16 and below, they get two-thirds of the point. And if you look at the very bottom, the bottom 15 cities got 4% of the point. So it sort of shows you that there is there's a gap. You know, there's those top cities that are really the most ambitious, are innovative, trying to experiment with new policies. And then as you go down the list, um, the ambition does not quite match those, those leading cities. Now, you bumped it up to 100 cities this year from, I think, last year's uh, survey looked at 75 cities. Um, how do cities get on the list to even be ranked? Yeah, so we focus on the the largest metro regions in the country, and then we take the central city of those metro regions. So for the most part, we're looking at one city per metro region. We do make an exception if there are two major cities in, in one region. And so the example I always go to is, you know, if you go to the Bay Area, San Francisco and Oakland are in the same metro region, but they're both major cities, so we include them. But for the most part, it's based on, you know, the largest, the most populous uh, metro regions in the central city from those. And do all the cities that you looked at have a plan and are 
working on that plan. They have specific goals that they're trying to reach. Um, or or did are, are there some cities that are doing uh, good clean energy practices uh, because they've always done it that way? I'm thinking of, you know, primarily rural areas, but that may not necessarily be true. Yeah, so, you know, I, I can't really talk to, you know, rural areas just because we didn't have, you know, um, many, we, we just didn't cover that in the report. It's really larger cities. But, but um, you know, that being said, we do look at progress towards greenhouse gas emissions goals. Um, and we found that 63 cities in the report had those goals. Um, and so I, I can't say for sure whether that means only 63 cities have plans. Um, to, like sustainability plans, climate action plans, that that sort of thing. But typically what a city would do is it would develop some sort of um, sustainability plan and, and a goal, uh, you know, that the plan will achieve. So, you know, you're talking about 63 cities who at least have gone through the exercise of setting a goal. Um, so about two-thirds um, and the, the remaining third, I, I can't say for sure, but the fact that they don't have a goal um, is likely a good indication that they don't have a plan. Um, and I mean, that being said, when you get down to the lower parts of, of the rankings, you generally see cities just doing one or two things uh, to increase their, their, their clean energy. In some cases, it's like, you know, a, a random thing, you know, perhaps they... Um, they've adopted a building energy code, for example, or they've made it more stringent, or maybe they have a partnership with their utility around energy efficiency, and you'll just have those random efforts, and it won't be part of a comprehensive program. And and you looked at five policy areas. What what were those? Yeah, so all cities were scored across these five uh, broad policy areas that when you look across all of them, there's 50 separate metrics. But the, the five policy areas are, are buildings policies, so efforts to um, increase energy efficiency and renewables and new buildings and existing. Uh, transportation, um, we also look at local government operations. So that would be uh, cities, public buildings, it's, it's municipal fleet. Um, we also look at community-wide efforts, which are just these broad efforts that touch multiple parts of, of the economy, setting greenhouse gas emissions goals, for example, um, also including equity in, in your sustainability and climate action plans. And finally, we have a section on energy and water utilities that assesses the efforts of, of those utilities, because those are certainly important for cities achieving their overall goals. And in the, in the process of looking at these, were there some initiatives that, that came up that were um surprising because they were they were just so so new and and uh, unusual you know well let me yeah there are some that were um pleasantly surprising put it that way i i didn't know about them so it wasn't a complete shock but it was still encouraging to see um going back to what i was saying about new york city there is this groundbreaking policy for um, existing buildings called performance standards where you set targets um, for energy use for greenhouse gas emissions in buildings. And there are three cities that have those now. Um, and that's something that uh, this was something, this was a policy that 
has been discussed for quite a while as something that wouldn't be great if cities were doing it. Um, and it's encouraging to see that three cities actually have it in place now. And that's something that's a really innovative policy that should helpfully really lead to results. Um, and I'm going to keep an eye on, on that because I have heard other cities talking about it as well. And I'm, I'm hoping to see that scale up over time because I think that could, could really be a game changer. What are the kinds of things to, that buildings can do to um, retrofit themselves to be uh, better, uh, you know, more efficient and operate uh, uh, with more sustainability in mind? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I would say is that, a, a, you know, a building looking to upgrade should do what's called an energy audit. Um, that's where a professional will come into your home and assess your building systems. Uh, they will do something called a, a blower door test, which, you know, without going into the weeds, will test to see, uh, you know, what insulation levels are like, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. And they will be able to develop a report on specific things that your home, your business might want to consider for um, reducing energy use. And in some cases, it, the simplest would be upgrading lights to LEDs, let's say, if, you, if you're in a home. Um, but there's other things like, you know, uh, either replacing some appliances or making sure that your large building systems, if you have a boiler or something like that, that that's operating, um, you know, uh, performance is optimized, and then like weatherizing your home, those sorts of things. So there, there's really a bunch of things I can do, and it always comes down to uh, getting your, your building assessed to understand where is it already doing well for energy efficiency and where isn't it, um, and then, you know, a matter of uh, pursuing whatever measures make sense. So some things really are as simple as just making sure that weather stripping is, uh, you know, working and, and not uh, dried out and broken in places and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's there's a number of things, and that's that's one of the you know the easiest ones to do. You know, because if you have leakage coming in through you know windows uh, around doors, um, those are things that are going to make a drafty home. So that's uncomfortable. Number one, when you you can't control um, the heat as well as you'd like uh, or the air conditioning. Um, but yeah, it's also something that um, is going to help you be more efficient in the in the long term. So that's you know an, an easy one. Now, we, we were talking about, of course, a big city like New York, and we were talking about buildings, new buildings, and, you know, sort of uh, reworking old buildings uh, or, or existing buildings, let's put it that way. Um, but how much of the, the study looks at what uh, John Q. Public is doing to uh, make their homes more energy efficient, and how much impact does that have um, on uh, sustainability and getting a city on this uh, in this ranking. Yeah, so we look largely at policies and programs um, that that cities have in place. So we don't um, cover, you know, how you know we don't cover things like you know how many people in your city have on on their own upgraded their homes or something like that. Partly because it's it's really hard data to get. Um, and we don't know where we would get it, but, um, you know, we are at the end of the day hoping to catalog what the city government is doing and, um, how it's really pushing everyone within its community to, to embrace these things. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, 
people, individuals can make can make a big impact. You know, these programs and policies we're, we're looking at are meant to encourage, um, you know, public residents to, to do more. So if, if public residents were to do more on their own, um, that would be great. So thinking about how to increase energy efficiency in their homes and their businesses, um, you know, those are things that are going to make differences not only in community-wide emissions, but they're going to make differences for, for your own home, right? Um, you're going to be able to save money uh, whether you're in your home, whether it's your business, you're going to be breathing healthier air um, and you're going to be helping to um, make your community stronger. So, you know, and individuals' actions matter. Um, and then even beyond just how does it affect a person in their own home, um, individuals' actions matter for pushing cities forward. Because at the end of the day, cities always need to get uh, the input of their constituents and other stakeholders when they were doing sustainability plans, um, sustainability policies, those sort of things. So um, making residents making their voices heard in terms of what they'd like their, their city to be doing um, is another way that uh, individuals can make a difference beyond just what's going on in their home, but to drive more change within their communities. Do a lot of these cities have uh, uh, community-wide uh, programs that uh, encourage and, and support uh, residents and, and homeowners in, in their efforts to chip in and, and be more energy efficient? Yeah, so, you know, I, I can't say the breakdown for sure, but you have a lot of cities that have some sort of requirement, you know, to requiring their, their building, the, the owners of buildings within their city to, to do something. Um, so there is some policies called benchmarking policies, which in a nutshell, what they do, they require building owners to once a year input some information into a computer program about energy use. And it sort of spits out a, a score for them that tells them how efficient they are relative to similar buildings um, and within their own community. So those are things that cities try to do to encourage um, building owners to learn more about their energy use, try to get some information about how to um, upgrade them. So, so that's one thing that comes to mind. And then there are, you know, other voluntary programs. Sometimes cities will run something like a, a voluntary energy challenge, for, especially for like a downtown area where they will try to engage building owners and provide some resources, um, you know, to help them understand their energy use and have like a, a competition uh, with a group of buildings to reduce energy use. Um, and then the other thing that comes to mind are utility programs because so we I, I, we focus largely in the scorecard on city activities, but a lot of energy utilities run energy efficiency programs where they will pay for some upgrades or they will pay for an energy audit, something like that. And you have cities partnering with these utilities in a lot of cases to make sure that the residents in their own city are aware of these opportunities. Um, so that's another thing where people will want to look for. If they, are incur if they want to do more on energy efficiency, looking to see not only does the city have a program, but does the utility have a program that can offset um, the upfront cost of, of some of these measures. Yeah, I've seen some programs. It's been a few years, but uh, there, there was a program here locally where the uh, local energy provider was uh, buying back energy-inefficient appliances. Mm -hmm. 
so that people yeah. would be encouraged to buy more energy efficient things. So if you had a, a refrigerator that was an energy hog, they'd give you a couple of bucks for it and haul it away, and then you could get a new refrigerator that was more energy efficient. Um, is that the kind of thing you're talking about, Dave? Yeah, yeah, that, that's part of it. Um, there's this, there's a whole universe of things that utilities can, can offer, but it can be something like that. In other cases, it can be um, on the other end of the spectrum, like rebates for, for buying something new. So if it wasn't, you know, taking away inefficient appliances for free, it, it could be, you know, the utility offsetting the, the cost of a new efficient appliance, for example. Um, in other cases, utilities might pay for people to come into your home and do that energy audit that we were talking about before, which is sort of that, that first step in terms of, you know, understanding how you can make an upgrade. So that's something that a person might not have to pay out of pocket. It would be something that the utility would cover. And in some cases, they even cover some of the low-cost measures that a energy auditor might recommend. Um, you know, for example, in places like uh, Massachusetts comes to mind, they'll pay for, you know, lighting upgrades. They'll give you uh, efficient light bulbs. Um, so, you know, it, it's always different depending upon the state and the utility, but utilities can offer some, you know, varied programs, put it that way. Yeah, Dave, why is it in the energy company's best interest to encourage people to be more energy efficient? It seems to me the more energy people use, the more money they make. Yeah, and that's um, that's a tricky issue in the energy industry. So uh, usually utilities are encouraged or required to invest in energy efficiency if there's a policy called a energy efficiency resource standard within that state. Um, so that's something that either the state legislature would put in place or the public utility commission or the public service commission that regulates utilities. Um, they will put in these policies that, Again, they're sort of very depending upon the state, but they might say something like, you know, utilities have to save 2% of their energy use over a certain period of time. Or they might say something like a uh, utility has to uh, pursue all cost-effective energy efficiency measures. And the measures for cost-effectiveness, uh, you know, you could go down a rabbit hole sort of talking about like cost-effectiveness testing for utilities. Um, so that's something that really helps to drive energy efficiency with, within states. Um, when states don't have that, uh, there is less of an incentive for the utilities to, to provide energy efficiency because based on the utility model, uh, the historical one that's been around for 100 years, cities are, or rather utilities are incentivized to, to build more um, so that they could get their rate of return. And, you know, we hear a lot of, uh, this is an election year, so we've been hearing a lot of talk from politicians. And one of the things that comes up is clean energy. And I keep hearing the phrase, um, this will create clean energy jobs. What are clean energy jobs? And are there lots of them to be created by adapting the, or adopting these programs? Yeah, you know, it's a good question because I think it's a term that people throw around without putting a lot of definition on it. But, yeah, when it comes to, to clean energy jobs, you know, I think you could break it down to energy efficiency and, and renewable energy. So in energy efficiency, right now there are over 2 million 
um, people employed in the energy efficiency industry across the country. Um, so, you know, there, there's actually a report that the Department of Energy comes out with every year that provides a breakdown for energy efficiency, for renewable energy, for traditional um, energy companies. So for anyone interested, I'd, I'd encourage them to check it out. But within energy efficiency, um, those jobs are broken down into lots of different categories like construction, manufacturing, um, you know, retail, those sorts of things. So most of the jobs in energy efficiency have to do with installing energy efficient appliances. That, that's the lion's share of, of those jobs. So, and as I was saying, it was over 2 million jobs. And um, by cities adopting these policies and programs, they're encouraging the, the demand for more of these workers. So it helps to, you know, increase the workforce even more. Um, and then when it comes to renewable energy, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of jobs. So people in the renewable energy industry, that would be people that, you know, work at, you, you know, um, wind turbines, uh, utility scale solar installations, as well as those who work on installing solar and like distributed energy resources on, on people's homes. So at the end of the day, you're talking about millions of jobs, whether it's energy efficiency, um, well, energy efficiency and renewable energy combined. Now, the the 2020 uh, City Clean Energy Scorecard was released uh, uh, in October, um, earlier this month. And um, I, I guess what I'm wondering, Dave, is is there some place where people can go to see where their city ranked and what kinds of things their city is doing to... Um, put some of these things into practice. Yeah, absolutely. So this report is available for free on ACEEE's website. So uh, if your listeners are to go to ACEEE.org, um, that's my organization's website. Um, once they get to that landing page, they will, if they go soon, there'll be a prompt um, on the main page for the city scorecard and they can click through it to, to download the report for free. Um, and there's also, you know, a tab on that homepage for local policy. And if they click on that, they'll be able to get to a number of resources, including the city scorecard. So we have the, the report um, available for free for download. And then we also have specific fact sheets for all 100 cities in the report. So if you live in, you know, Grand Rapids or, um, you know, Detroit or, you know, uh, wherever, you know, whatever city is in the, the top or the, the 100 cities in the report, you'll be able to see a one-pager that says, this is what your city is doing. Here are some things it could be doing um, to, to move ahead. Well, Dave Ribeiro is my uh, guest from ACEEE. I'm glad you said that because I was, uh, you know, sort of tripping around that American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy title. Um Dave, the, the abbreviation is important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes it a lot easier. But Dave, thank you for uh, spending this time with me this morning. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely, thank you for having me. All right, take care. Bye bye. That was Dave uh, David Ribeiro from the uh, American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, or AC Triple E. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <laughs> Old-fashioned radio 
for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. 
To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. But Old Weird Harold and I, Old Weird Harold, we called him that because he was 6'9", weighed 50 pounds. We used to use him to get the football out of the sewer. We used to go to every Hiram picture in the world. I'm telling you right now, we would go and we would see Frankenstein. We'd walk a hundred miles to see Frankenstein. And mind you, we never saw the monster once. Never saw him once, because we were too scared to look at him. And we had the best seats in the movie. We used to sit right up front. I mean, right up front. That's where you can see everything. You just look right up front there. And we'd say to each other, you going to look at the monster this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't lie now. If you're not going to look at him, say that. You might as well get right on the floor now if you're not going to look at him. You didn't look at him the last time. Yes, I did. Don't lie. Put it on. Oh, look out. That's where we stayed for 12 days. Used to go home with 100 black juju fruits all on our backs. Yeah. So... My mother, we used to stay over and over and over trying to get to see the monster, but we couldn't do it. We were too scared. And my mother used to come for me. Would you come home? Get up off the floor and come home. You know, and the guys would rise. Hey, cuz, your mom came for you. Get up. You shut up. So my mother said one day, she said, I'm not coming for you. That's all. You know, you'll come home yourself. Walk under 9th Street Bridge in the dark by yourself if you don't know how to come home. Oh, mom, you'll come home for us. So... We're watching this one picture, and it was it was a heck of a picture. It was one of the one of the greatest. They they had uh, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, the Hunchback, the Mummy. Everybody was in it, and Harold and I stayed on that floor. Our eyes were closed all day. We never came up one time for air. Every time there was somebody on that screen, we didn't want to see. The Mummy's in there now. Oh, we don't want to look. We don't want to look. And we sat through about 12 showings of the same picture. You gonna look this time? No, get up off the floor. No, I ain't getting up nowhere. It ain't gonna get me. So, finally, during the cartoon, I got up and I looked around. And I said, hey, Harold, there's nothing here but grown-ups. And Harold said, yeah. Because that's what he always says whenever I'm right. He's my closest friend, you know. I said, ask that man what time it is. Hey, mister! What time is it? It's 10 o'clock. Oh, Harold. Oh, Harold, we're in trouble. 10 o'clock, yeah. 10 o'clock, that's when the monsters come out. 
And my mom didn't even come for us, man. Well, she said she would, yeah, but she's supposed to come for us, man. She's supposed to let us go home at 10 o'clock with all the monsters out of things, man. And we walk out of the movie crying, oh, we got out of 10 o'clock. Now, the walk home, Ninth Street Bridge has no lights whatsoever, which is highly, well, it's the only way to get home. And we are sick. You're talking about two scared kids just walking, you know, arm in arm, not even picking our feet up off the ground because we want to be ready. If the monster touches us, we want to be ready to jump straight up to heaven. You know, when you pick one leg up, you take a chance on going sideways. You know, and we got our leg. We're just dragged, sending our toes out six feet ahead of us like radar. Kids coming. Kids coming. And I'm telling you, really scared, ready to go any second. And I bumped into Harold. Bump. I said, Harold, did I bump into you? Harold said, no. I said, don't lie to me now, Harold. Because if I bumped into you, say that I bumped. Even if I didn't bump into you, Harold, say that I bumped into you. Because if I didn't, we're going to get eaten alive. You know that, don't you? Harold said, well, you bumped into me. I said, okay, don't lie anymore. Now, I don't know the name of the wino that came out of the alley that, that uh, emptied onto the Ninth Street Bridge. I don't even care what the guy's name is, man. All I know is that he was wrong. That's all I can say. He was pure D wrong. You just don't walk out of an alley that empties on the Ninth Street Bridge without making some sort of announcement, warning little kids. Look out, little kids, coming home from the Ashton movie after seeing a whole lot of horror monsters. There's just nobody that can hurt you. It's just a little old wino. And he came out. Now, I'm sure while filling out the accident report on this man that the doctor said, what happened? I don't know. It was just four feet, ran right up my chest, danced on my head for a half hour, and then ran straight down my back, doctor. Well, did they say anything? Yes. They said, ah! Did you see them at all? Yes, it was a little kid riding on top of a tall, skinny one, and he was beating him with a stick, saying, faster, faster, you fool, you fool. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918, influenza had its run But half the docs were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation If we don't do it then we're all gonna die If we don't do it then we're all gonna die And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilised Oh super bad transmittable contagious awful virus If we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine the last until July A super bad transmittable Super bad transmittable Contagious Awful Virus Super bad transmittable Contagious Awful Virus program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs> 